Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux, I am Peter, that is Connor, and we talk about movies on this show, and in this episode we are looking at a Patreon winner, every month on patreon.com slash TV. we put out four movies for a vote, our patrons pick one, and here we are, this is what we do, we talk about it. Uh, the winner was Blue Steel, which is directed by Catherine Bigelow. Uh, this came out in 1990. Uh, usually the, the vote has a theme. The theme for this particular month was Movies from the Vault, which is another Patreon perk that we have where people uh, on our Patreon can submit films to a list, a to-do list, if you will, and every so often we'll pick four from that list and put them in, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Bear with me. I'm uh, a little bit ill, losing my voice, and uh, nothing came out when I tried to speak then. Yes, um... <laughs> That went worse than expected. Cara's voice is going, so it's going to be a, an interesting discussion. Yeah. Um. So we'll see how this goes. Uh. But yeah. So Blue Steel. I never heard of this when someone put it in the vault. Had you heard of it? Can't say I had. No. So this is a, a thriller starring Jim Lee Curtis, and it's got. I mean, it's funny. I'm trying to think of like how to describe it spoiler free because I didn't know anything about it before I watched it. Like I literally did not know the plot. I knew she was a cop based on the title. That was all I knew. Yeah, I think spoiler free. All, all, all I have is um, she's a cop, and there's an incident, and then she gets stalked. Essentially, there's an incident. Something happens. Well, yeah, yeah. There's. A, I don't want to say what the incident <laughs> yeah. itself is. The inciting incident. But then, uh, as a result of that, uh, she obtains a stalker who may or may not also want to kill her. That is, you know, up for debate. Stalkers often do. I mean, that's that's a typical stalker goal. It's a motivation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't know anything about this, uh, and it's. It's funny because it's, it's a 1990 film, which means it's right at that cusp of the 80s and the 90s, where obviously it was filmed during the 80s still. Uh, and came out at the, the turn of the decade and it, it's kind of got this weird feel to it because of that it reminds me of other movies just visually from yeah. from that time period um in fact one of the things that i'd say positively before i get to even asking you if you liked it or not would probably be the, the direction's probably one of the strongest elements of the film uh it feels very confident in how it's how it's looking pretty much all the time in regards to direction here you're referring mainly to the cinematography yes yes i'm yeah. talking about that yes yeah okay no which, i agree with that which leads me to think that there's something about the direction that you're not too fond of uh so yeah uh well yeah did you, did you enjoy it did you like blue steel uh, no it's 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 kind of a mess <laughs> i think uh maybe there's a reason we hadn't heard of this one joe you know funny is i actually was quite liking it for maybe about half the movie something like that so, oh, so I, i'll give it maybe 20 minutes 20 minutes yeah I was okay with it. Like it was kind of take it, it took a turn that you know early on, like probably about the twenty minute mark, where I was like, "Oh, we're going down this path now." Okay, I did not see that coming, but I'll roll with it. I'll roll with it, and I was still fine with it. Um, I think the final act is a complete mess, though, as uh, as you put it. Uh, it it got more and more unbelievable as the movie went on. It it got into downright stupid territory. Which is rough in this movie, particularly because it's is very much 
gritty realism. It's gritty realism, but it's also because because Jamie Lee Curtis's character, um, what's her name, uh, Megan Turner, she's this rookie cop, and everyone, all the men in the force, keep asking her like, "Why did you become a cop? Why did you why did you want to become a cop?" As if that's you know, like you know, you're a woman. Why would you become a cop? You know, it's, it's dealing with with uh, with the glass ceiling. It's dealing with sexism. It's dealing with just the misogyny she has to go through because she wants to be this profession that's not typically seen as as female, uh, and. And there's parts of that, the, the work that, that, that I like, especially early on. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a shot early on just after she's graduated where she's walking down a street and she's got this kind of strut to her. Like she's, she feels that she's achieved what she's always wanted. It was it was making me think of Serpico, actually, in a lot of ways, where she's really, like, idealistic when she first graduates. And then by the end of the movie, she's like, I hate this. <laughs> All of this is terrible and torturous. See that. Yeah. Um, it was giving me some of those vibes. Um but as the movie goes on and it gets more and more ridiculous and the, the motivations start to feel a bit murkier, my biggest problem with it, though, is probably the, the final kind of dramatic points of the film are really mixed up in terms of... Like, I'm not sure if the ending of this is supposed to be a tragedy or if the ending of this is supposed to be a heroic, you know, we beat the bad guy or if the ending of this is supposed to have some sort of more of a political statement. I'm not entirely sure. The ending's kind of all over the place. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you there. Like, like I said, it is just a bit messy, and there's a lot of plot elements that don't make sense. But I, I could probably forgive that if it was more enjoyable. But each one actively kind of impacted the enjoyment of the movie until at the end, all of this stacks up, and then you have the ending. And I just I I don't know what the point was. And it ends very suddenly as well. Um does yeah there's not, there's not much of a coda or much of a an epilogue or a chance to kind of reflect on you know what she's learned or went through it, it kind of just kind of suddenly ends and it, it's a very downer ending it's actually it's funny actually you know it's, i was glancing just around other opinions of this movie because i was i was curious i was like you know what are people saying about it and i i stumbled onto ebert's review of all things Ebert's because obviously Ebert's been reviewing movies for a long time or had been reviewing movies for a long time um and sure enough he has a review that someone I don't know if he wrote this originally if it was transcribed from the tv show or whatever but uh one of the things he said is how it was it felt kind of like an update on Halloween and at first I was like I mean I know Jamie Lee Curtis is it, but what are you talking about and then I thought about how it ends and I'm like okay I can kind of see what he's meaning here and that it ends in a really kind of open just kind of like she survives but nothing else kind of way yeah and I guess the way that you know the guy stalks her and just always seems to know where she is for no reason or logic the the big problem I had is that the guy seems to magically be able to just kind of be in lots of places and it's fine at first because at first I'm like, okay, he just, you know, because because he has this kind of chance meeting with her, right? And it's, it's he's it's supposed to look like it's just an accident, but obviously he's been waiting for her, and that's fine, right? It makes sense because uh, he does know she's a cop, so he can wait outside the precinct, like you know, you know, like it's not rocket that's science. Plausible enough, yeah. yeah. But he, you know, later on in the film, he, you know, once there's reason for police to think he's a suspect of interest and crazier and crazier things happening he somehow somehow manages to sneak in places or go places that feels like it should be more difficult and it just it feels like it's just it's just getting harder and harder to swallow as the movie's going on as to just what he's pulling off uh yeah. I, I, 
I'll tell you what I kind of liked on a conceptual level. Uh, execution, maybe not as much, but a conceptual level, I kind of love it if you're compar- comparing it to Halloween and you're saying, okay, this is an evolution of Halloween. I love that we go from the shape to a yuppie. I love that... <laughs> I can't get you. The villains aboard yuppie who's getting off on violence and stalking and whatnot. It is just... I don't know. Like, I feel like there's some sort of critique there. and I, I, I think... The idea that, you know, people don't really listen to or believe or that there's other things going on and, again, the misogyny of the, the workforce is kind of coming into play and we're, we're seeing different elements of that, but uh, by the time it gets to the end of the film, I, f- I feel like the movie almost makes her look like she's still in the wrong for doing what she's doing to survive and I feel like that's really weird. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm with you. It really murkies at the end, doesn't it? Yeah. So, uh, it's just a, it's not. I don't hate the movie. Like, I think the movie has some positive quality. Obviously, Jim Lee Curtis is very good. Um, yeah, I've got nothing, nothing bad to say about either of the main performances. Yeah, Ron Silver, who plays uh, Eugene Hunt, the, the the stalker. He, he's kind of perfectly creepy in a Ellis from Die Hard kind of way. <laughs> he's like <laughs> Ellis from Die Hard became a stalker. <laughs> not that he's that far off admittedly um, and I did like seeing Clancy Brown because I like Clancy Brown uh, pop up yeah who doesn't yeah um, oh that's what I knew him from uh, I was wondering what I knew Ron Silver from he's the villain in Time Cop uh, I've not seen it but <laughs> sure I knew I knew his face because he kept reminding me of Ellis from Die Hard but it's not him it's not that actor I can, you know, I can tell the difference hmm. He had a similar look, but it's not him. And it was, I was, it was bugging me. But no, he was the villain in Time Cop, and I'm sure he's probably been in tons of stuff that people. Yeah, are I, to... I recognise his face from something. I can tell you what, but I'm sure I've seen him in something. But yeah, Time Cop's what I know him from. Uh, he was in Reversal of Fortune, Find Me Guilty, bunch of the <laughs> West Wing. Not a bunch. Uh, probably, that's probably where I've seen. Him. I've, I've seen a lot of West Wing. Oh, fair enough. There you go. Yeah. explains it um, anything else spoiler free you'd like to music's not bad it's uh I like the music it's definitely of it's time but it's just got a yeah yeah it's um there are bits of it that are better than others but when it works it really works yeah um, even the opening title sequence is this close-up of a gun kind of revolving around and the bullets get in the chamber and just all the little nit and gritty details of it. Yeah, it is very much that late 80s grungy sort of synth kind of that you get in, in these, uh, you know, she-city movies. <laughs> it's actually one of the things I love about 80s movies is just how dirty New York is. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and I know that these days it's considered one of the cleanest cities in the world and they've done a lot of you know they've put a lot of effort in but it wasn't but 80s New York is better <laughs> it has more atmosphere <laughs> it's funny actually me and Tim uh, this review won't open up yet by the time this one goes up but we you know we recorded a review for Friday the 13th part 8 Jason Takes Manhattan and we were joking about how that movie makes it even dirtier than it normally is. There's, like, toxic waste everywhere. <laughs> like, the characters arrive in New York and they get mugged within seconds of arriving. It's like New York needed help being grimy. <laughs> All these toxic waste. That movie would have you believe that toxic waste is flushed through the sewers every night at midnight. I believe it. <laughs> Why not? 
where's this toxic waste coming from? Is there, is there, is there a nuclear power plant somewhere? That, that... Could be. <laughs> In the middle Chemical of Manhattan? Plans. Yeah, why not? Okay. Gotta go somewhere. I'll just question Why not it. flush it down the toilet? Ah. <laughs> uh, do you know what this episode sounds like when you sound sick? It sounds like you're dying of cancer and this is your make-a-wish and I'm being a good sport. Oh, Christ, if this is my make-a-wish, then <laughs> life someone, wasn't worth it. So, someone might have wished for this. You don't know. <laughs> well, I definitely didn't. Oh. Oh. If, this was, if this was my make-a-wish, just forget it. Just kill me now. Yeah, for for those of you at home, I've actually turned up Connor's mic because he's talking much quieter than normal. But hopefully, in the recording, that it's it's matching with mine. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's looking not bad. <laughs> yeah, but it's a concern. Yeah, Joel's <laughs> really bad. Is this has kind of gotten worse over the day? This morning, it was just like a little bit of a, a tickle in the throat. It wasn't too bad. A little bit. And now here we are at like one a.m. and I'm just barely able to speak. <laughs> oh i'm looking forward to the thing we're doing after this i really am um it's gonna be tough because at least this i don't i don't care about this movie enough to be passionate <laughs> the next thing i need passion you're gonna be passionate in the next one that's very true um I'm actually, i've been tweaking it a little bit throughout the recording just to make it just, just perfect yeah. so we'll see we'll see how it goes anyway uh so i guess we'll get spoilers we'll talk about spoilers for blue steel um yeah. and we'll, we'll get into it um so so yeah first first chunk of the movie right i, I thought that even the opening shot was quite good i was actually thinking well that's maybe quite good from the opening scene because i think the camera starts off behind jamie jamie he jamie, kept, jamie lee's head <laughs> i kept saying he jamie he no jamie lee's head and she's walking down this hallway and it's 10 of 10s and you can tell she's got her gun out, and but we don't see that. We're just seeing from the back of her head. And then she goes in a room, and there's a situation, and it's like a you know bam bam gunshot, and then it turns out it's an exercise. She's at the academy, and it's it's been like a you know a situation, a hostage situation kind of thing, and um, and it sets up the thing, the theme of the thing, where the idea is that she actually shoots the bad guy, but she's unaware that there's a second person who's going to kill her. The idea that in the heat of the moment, she wasn't paying attention to the other details that could be important. Which then, you know, happens in the big inciting incident where she is, she's on on duty with with her partner, and they're just getting coffee, and sure enough, there's a there's a robbery in a, a small supermarket across the street, and she she goes around the back alley, she goes in, and she's sort of like sneaking around the the aisles, and she's like, you know, she has to work up a little bit of courage before she turns and actually goes to face him. She's kind of breathing heavily, and it's like it was a good scene, it was well acted, it was well directed, tension was good. And she has this standoff, and the guy eventually swings a gun at her, and she shoots him like like four or five times. So she she you know she unloads, yeah. And so at this point, one of the characters that was in there was the yuppie, right? It was Ron Silver's character, and the the camera worked either impressively or unimpressively, depending on your perspective. I actually kind of like how it wasn't obvious that he was going to be a main character. I liked how he, he was just one of them until the main thing that he does happens. Yeah. Um, no, I was okay with that. I kind of like that. Uh, so so yeah so she's in shock after shooting them and everyone is just kind of like all, all the customers have all been told to lie on the ground with the the, the you know the, the perp and the gun happens to land the, the guy was holding the the happens to land next to her on silver and he's kind of staring at it and he, he just puts his hand out and he takes it in and i immediately thought but 
they're going like they're going to look for a gun. <laughs> like he had a gun. Now to to the movie's credit, this is addressed immediately in the next scene where they're giving her shit because they couldn't find his his weapon. Um, yeah, it, it's it gets to the point where none of them believe that he had a gun. Yeah, they they, they think like, she overreacted. Full of witnesses. Surely one of them could have gone. Yeah, there was a gun. Yeah, yeah. There's like one throwaway line where they say something like, uh, "Yeah, they all agree he had a weapon, but they're, they're all too in too too much shock to specify." <laughs> it was a gun. But he had a weapon, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, Ron Clancy or, uh, sorry, Ron Clancy, Clancy Brown. I'm I'm mixing the two actors up. Clancy Brown, uh, who much younger Clancy Brown. I'm used to him from like the last like 15 years, where he's a bit more older and chiselled. I know from Lost and a bunch of other things. Uh, and he's this cop that ends up working with her over the course of the movie. He does this little sort of thing with his comb. He pulls his comb out really quickly, and she like pulls out a gun <laughs> and aims it at him. And he's like, "Calm down, it's a comb." And admittedly, I think my present day, uh, like just you know the media and like the amount of like shootings we have every year of like that are unwarranted. The idea that she's getting this much shit. I mean, maybe it's just back to the misogyny that she's 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 been held to this weird high standard that all the male cops probably wouldn't be held to. Like no no he, no the perp moved a little bit too quickly. It was you know justifiable. Like I feel like yeah. that's the attitude. <laughs> Do you know what I think part of my problem is here is. That, like you say, oh, that's something we're used to seeing now. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like a decade ago, even, you know, even that recently, by, by the standards of when this came out, that that was that much of a hot topic that, that was talked about, right? Uh, as much. So that this, okay, was as big a deal as they treated it. Like, you know, that they immediately went to, well, was this a more? I feel like they were. Uh, brushing it under the rug a bit more at the time. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't tell you like how much this was going on and how much it was public aware. Um, I can tell you that in movies and TV shows, I feel like it always felt like it was treated as harshly as this. Like there was always every time there was a shooting, you'd, you'd get the episode of a TV show where IA was coming to investigate or whatever. And uh, so I don't necessarily think that was the truth at the time, given all the problems that we, you know, we hear about yeah. now. But it's that, that was at least the way film and TV, I think, portrayed it. That's fair, uh, and that seems to be holding true to that. So, you know, that's fine. I like. I mean, this is not a part of the movie I have a problem with necessarily, because again, it's feeding into like them doubting her and her having to prove herself. Um, I think the problem I have with the movie is that by the time we get to the end, she can't prove herself. Like, she has to like assault another police officer and steal the gun. Uh, and go and chase the bad guy and shoot him and like all of it just kind of feels like she's still going to be in trouble for this if not more so than she would have been before ridiculously extended gunfight yeah it's it's like an action movie shootout at the end which is just feels out of tone for the the rest of the movie it does yeah it just kind of comes out of nowhere and i don't know like there's a point where she's lying on the ground in the subway and you know and it it rolled over and and the train's coming and she's got to get up in time yeah I know. I'm like, what the hell is this? And that was the start of the gunfight. 
I know. And we haven't talked about what the the main. Well, this, is, this, is, this is the other thing. Is I even mind when it sort of shifted here because we see Ron Silver's character with the gun and he's kind of like you know posing with it in the mirror. He's kind of like excited by it. And we see him at his work. He's you know he's, he works on Wall Street or whatever. And you know he's yeah. you know he's in the room shouting out numbers at the screens. Yeah, that's that's what he does. Same old same. And. Okay, it's like you've not introduced me to him much, but you're giving me just enough now where I'm kind of like backdating the the motivation and like for myself where it feels like okay he he is bored by his his life and this is like this excitement that's kind of come into it and he's he's now fetishizing the gun and he's fetishizing the 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 the, the, the adrenaline that he felt during the incident. I think, I think you hit on a large part of the problem when you said that. There is you're putting that in yourself the movie doesn't actually give you any of that well no i think that some of it's there you just like it doesn't want to explain it beforehand right and i think to an extent that's okay it is if we if it, because because i thought it was going to keep kind of like chipping away at him as a character over the course of the movie and for a while i was okay with what it was doing because what it was doing was like you know he he's out in the street and he actually goes up to someone uh some, some guy as an old man and shoots him and you know that then they bring in Jamie Lee Curtis to the crime scene. So she's, she's been suspended at this point, but they have to bring her back on because whoever's doing this is carving her name into the bullet casing. Which, problem number one here. Mm-hmm. He's using a revolver, right? You know, like a six-shooter revolver. Mm-hmm. They don't need bullet casings like that. They don't pop out. That's fair. Just, you know. Unless he's intentionally taken it out of the chamber. Maybe. Because you take them out of a revolver, right? You have to empty it yeah, when you're yeah, done. You, you, you empty it, yeah. So, I mean, I guess he could be. He's leaving it there as a statement. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was weird. This, this is the point where the movie lost me. It didn't lose me when yet. It, when, when it got to the literal... There's a bullet with your name on it. <laughs> it lost me. I was I was okay with that and sort of like okay, this is a bit different than what I was expecting. But now now we're into this. Okay, there's a killer going around the city, uh, you know, killing people with her name and the bullets, and they're determined to find him. Uh, I wasn't necessarily in love with the idea of him like dating her and her her not knowing who he was for a while. Like, I did feel probably the the point where the movie really lost me though was when he made it really obvious who he was to her because it, it came really early i thought you know versus the runtime of the movie we're like halfway through the movie and he does this thing where he he wants her to point her gun at him because he's got a fetish for it and she's kind of weirded out by it but it's whatever and then he starts talking about you know that night in the supermarket and he starts talking about kind of vaguely alluding to what he's been doing and she kind of puts it together um and yeah. she takes him in and Sure enough, lawyer shows up, and it's uh, Jenkins. What's his name? Um, oh, what's the actor's name? Barry Jenkins? Know. No, Barry Jenkins. Another guy's face. I couldn't tell you his name. It's gonna bug me. <laughs> oh my! What order are these credits in? IMDb. Uh, yeah. Is it one of those terrible ones? It seemed alright at the start. Richard Jenkins. That's the one. Uh, from you know, from Cabin in the Woods and Six Feet Under and yeah. bunch of other stuff. Uh. Recently in a ship of war, um, he comes in. He's a lawyer, and like, well, what have you got here? He vaguely alluded to something, and he just keeps denying. It. And I, I get what it wants to do at this point is it's like, 
a yuppie in his position, you know, a man in his position who's well, well off can get away with this shit. And no one will even think twice. No one will actually think he's really doing yeah, any of it. It's his word versus hers. Yeah. And I appreciate that as a dramatic point. I think the problem is, though, is that I feel like the movie has turned into... And I was okay, it's okay for the inciting incident to turn the movie into a new direction, because that's kind of the point of an inciting incident, right? Is that it yeah. starts off what the main plot of the movie is going to be. I felt this moment here where he kind of it basically lets her know who he is, and then we start this, like, you know, no one believes her, and everyone believes him, and once it got to this point, I felt like the movie changed movie again. <laughs> I felt like it was a new inciting incident that set us on a new path. It's, it's too late in the movie to do that. Um... And well, it's it's fine if it's the start of Act Three, but that was not the start of Act Three. This was like the middle of Act Two. If it, well, I mean, I, I suppose arguably it's a four act structure, and this is the end of Act Two still. But yeah, um, I think even Act Three, there's only to a point of how far you can change your direction mm. here. Uh, I think even even if that was you know the, the beginning of your final act, this would still bother me personally. Um, him revealing everything wouldn't bother me. I, I think if they try to slow down the pacing and turn it into they don't believe each other kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's the bit that bothers me. The, yeah. the revealing of who he is and then that cat and mouse for the last act is fine. It's the uh, the the setting up the concept of okay, but whose word do we take and, and trying to prove? Yeah, you know, it goes. It's it's way too early to do that or too late either with either way. Yeah, and then. You know, we have several scenes of him showing up, and you know, at one point he, sh- he shows up and kills her best friend in front of her, um, and still, when she says she saw it, the because like, it's like, yeah, but he grabbed you from, from from behind. Did you actually see his face? And it's like, at this point, there's enough of a reason to just detain him, and like I don't know, like, just it feels like just just swab for gunpowder residue. Yeah, it, it really did feel like the movie was ignoring a lot of uh, like CSI elements, didn't it? Like, like really basic ones. We're not asking for much. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's really weird. And ultimately, like, he, like, Clancy Brown's working with her at this point, and she actually handcuffs him in the car to go off and try and chase him because they're just, they're, they're watching out for him. They're on a stakeout, kind of off the books. And. It almost gets Clancy Brown killed because you know Ron Silver shows up and almost shoots him, and he wants them because he's got he's got this thing he likes to have them looking in his eye when he when he shoots them. He doesn't want them looking away. Um, but you know, Jim Lee Curtis comes in and saves him, and it's all fine. And he runs away because she she shot, shoots him in the arm or whatever. And this was this was like I was already kind of lost because of the the change in direction felt like a really weird pacing thing. But the big problem I had was after this scene, for multiple reasons. So, Ghibli, Curtis, and Clancy Brown go back to her place, and they end up having, like, a romantic moment and having sex, which I felt like was out of nowhere. It felt like that came out of absolutely nowhere for me. Oh, it definitely did. Yeah. I thought it was just downright borderline wrong. Yeah. Like, there was one reference to him being divorced at one point, but it never felt like they were setting up a romance with with them two. It just felt like, no, he's the grizzled old cop, he's jaded. I feel like the point was supposed to be look what we survived <laughs> but it didn't play like that at all so here's the thing he he's just tried to shoot uh, another cop uh and has been wounded and at this point another cop has witnessed these crimes he he is now officially like a fugitive he is you know he's wanted for arrest yeah. so they just go back to her place 
and it never occurs to them that maybe just maybe the one place he might have gone was her apartment <laughs> yeah they didn't think to hey there's a literal serial killer on the loose here who's obsessed with you specifically and knows where you live right and it's not so much that i'm saying that i i i blame them for not like searching the apartment when they get home like i'll buy that they don't even necessarily think that he's already there because that's that does seem a bit horror no, movie-esque the problem right? is that they just go home instead of to the police station they just go home and i'm just moving my cat they just go home and it, you know it feels like oh they've had a, a rough night let's just go home and relax it doesn't feel like there's any urgency it doesn't feel like there's anything at stake or that they're worried about anything they just go home and wouldn't you know it? The the serial killer is sitting in the bathroom patching up his wounds. Uh, so, you know, he eventually shoots Clancy Brown when he goes to the bathroom and then uh, that kind of leads into the actual final act of the movie where Jim Lee Curtis has to actually assault another police officer, steal his uniform and gun and goes to hunt, you know, Ron Silver down and that get, leads into this 25 minutes. It's not 25 minutes, it's like 15, but, you know... This long shooting back and forth scene, this action sequence through the streets where there's people running in terror because there's two people having a gunfight. And, like, I mean, sure, she does yell out, you know, everyone get down or, you know, whatever. But it's like, I, this is still woefully just kind of... I, I did laugh at that. West, when she's coming you know, out of the subway and she's like, all right, oh, please, everyone down. And, the like, the front, like, say there's, like, five rows of people. The front, like, two get down and start scrambling and everyone else just carries on walking like normal like nothing's going on <laughs> it just it just it feels so out of tone for the movie and at this point she's had to like she's lost her best friend the one cop that she ended up apparently having a romance with is you know in a hospital bed dying yeah she she's had been shot in the arm she's been shot in the arm she she had to assault another police officer when she was specifically ordered you know that she's you know to rest and not be part of the case anymore cause for obvious reasons and she's going all wild west like i feel like the end of this movie it's like it stops feeling like like it's trying to actually feel obviously movies don't have to can be completely realistic right but there, there's They've this feel consistent in their own tone yeah but this feels like it turns into a dumb action movie for the, for the ending where and but at the same time i would say that i'd argue the tone almost doesn't change enough because the tone at the end still feels kind of like somber and kind of you know it's still, yeah, it still plays it really tense when uh, when she's going up around the around the corner yeah but the, the, yeah. the final beat still feels like it belongs to the rest of the film but it's after this big action shootout and i'm like the movie feels like it's telling me she did the wrong thing by doing this, but at the same time, she had to like conquer her demon or what or whatever. And she stopped a serial killer. And she did stop a serial killer, but it feels like she's like, went off the deep end to do it, but not not in the way that like because you know sometimes you watch like like other thrillers where they try to catch a serial killer and it it does a lot to the cop who's hunting them right and they go th- it ruins them yeah yeah right uh, at the end of this movie she's like Brad Pitt at the end of seven but. <laughs> <laughs> and don't worry, it's horrible i mean we didn't even have a hell we glossed over the fact that after sh- after he shoots uh uh clancy brown he you know he tight pins her down the bed and rapes her like it gets super exploitive and it, it got to this point where during that scene where it, i was like i was i was actually kind of sitting thinking about it and going i'm actually surprised Catherine bigelow directed this this is weird Me too. yeah I, I i was i was like this feels incredibly sexist right because yeah, that, that scene did yeah but that the whole final th- 25 30 minutes did it really yeah, did yeah, yeah. but this did not need a rape revenge plot on top of everything else no because she was already trying to prove herself it was it was a more grounded like it already had this 
you know, horrific rape angle in the sense that she never really knew who he was when they were together. Yeah, he'd already kind of violated her space and her trust. Yeah, there was already that there. It was already incredibly personal for her. And creepy and, like, and arguably arguably more effective because it was it was less shock value and more, I don't know, I don't want to say groundy because it's still pretty, like, movie over the top, but... Yeah. This felt like shock value. I felt like there was no need to take it this far. Um, and... I, I, I guess, like, if you try to read, like, what the message of the film is, is it's the idea that he, this guy, okay, he's dead at the end, but he ultimately has completely ruined her. He's gotten his complete way. No one could stop him until he, he, he completely, you know, taken everything from her. You know, her friends, her loved ones, everyone. She, you know, he almost kills her, you know, he's threatening her parents at one point. Like, and her, you know, her dad's an asshole. Like, you know, like, <laughs> her dad, there's a whole yeah. subplot where, where her dad, like, beats up her mom, and that felt kind of undercooked to me. And then she tries to arrest him. And which and at the time she's not really got the authority to do that. To be honest, at that point in the movie, she's already kind of like suspended, and no one's listening to her. Uh, and I, I immediately thought, well, they keep saying you don't have enough evidence for the, the guy who's like shooting people. Like I feel like you go in with your dad for for domestic abuse, you're not, they're not gonna really going to listen to you. She has one conversation in the car with them and kind of gives him a like, well, if it happens one more time. I'm going to take yeah, and it and that felt really because presumably this has been happening most of her life. As much as like she's overreacting from a an official point of view, and in, in terms of just grabbing him and arresting him because it's, it's, it's yeah, like none of this is sanctioned. This is completely just off book. It feels unbelievable to me that she gave up on doing it so easily afterwards. I, I, no, that's the thing. I think if she's led to arresting him. This is clearly not the first time it's happened, right? Because you you wouldn't leap straight to that. It feels more like no, this has been going on a long time through maybe most of her life, and now as a cop, she feels like she has the authority to do something about it, even though really she doesn't right at this moment. Yeah, and um, then it goes, and he, oh, sorry. And you can also read read the read it as like she she's been feeling weaker and weaker throughout the film because of how she's been putting down in her job that she needs to feel strong for a moment and this is this is a, a smaller problem she can solve this is something she can tackle uh, that she feels because because arguably maybe you know her entire quest to do this her whole life has been about becoming strong enough to to tackle like the awful man that her father was if you want to get deep with the analysis but it just like it feels like she just turns around and gives up like immediately and it. I don't know, it felt really weird for her to just go, because she sort of smiles and goes, okay, like, maybe you're better than I thought you were, but it happens one more time, and it, it just it felt like, yeah, it happens one more time, like, you, you say that to someone who's stolen a DVD player, so I don't know, <laughs> like, this is way more personal and kind of dark that, I don't know, I don't know, yeah. like, I feel, because the correct thing to do in this scene would be to convince her mother probably to, to leave and go somewhere else. Or, or kick him out you know whatever one seems doable right separate yeah. them for safety and then deal with the the actual law side of things later hmm. but she's not thinking straight and that's, that's the point like I, I, i'm not actually critiquing even the concept of any of this it's just that it feels kind of rushed and undercooked and you know compared to everything else in the film yeah it is frustrating there's a lot of problems with this movie yeah um so yeah the last like 30 minutes just feels like it goes off the deep end it, it almost feels like Catherine bigelow wanted to make a film about about misogyny uh in the police force maybe specifically but certainly in general 
and the first half of the movie is kind of about that and then it's almost like the studio executive said yes but we're going to release this as a major motion picture you have to turn it into a generic thriller for the last half it has to have the the you know the the horror and the the suspense and you know, the big set piece the big shock value moments like has to have those and I, I i would be genuinely curious to hear if she actually wanted a lot of what happened in the back half of this or what her read is on it because I, I actually i'm not sure yeah like i said well neither of us were even knew what this movie was let alone what her opinions are on it you know hmm. this many years later yeah so it's, it's a weird one it's a weird one there's definitely i like how it looks and i like how it feels for at least the early parts of the film I agree with that. There's some shots where they're, they're in a helicopter flying over. When he's taking her on a date, he takes her on a helicopter. And there's some nice atmospheric, just sort of city-scape shots that feel really nice. Yeah, um, the cinematography is good. It's, uh, it's the script's just a mess, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because Jamie Lee Curtis is good. Yeah. I mean, all the principal players are actually pretty good, but, I mean, she obviously is the one carrying it. Yeah, of uh, course it does quite well um it's actually kind of funny i was thinking about this is that just you know afterwards when i when i was hearing the comparisons to halloween i was like yeah this was only 12 years after halloween like i, I feel like the 70s feels so much older in my mind but it's not actually that far <laughs> yeah especially since i was quite late 70s as well yeah 70s so she, they say she was like 18 20 when she filmed halloween she's only you know like 33 34 something like that tops yeah yeah uh, in fact it just it was just a few years before uh true lies which is what comes to mind if I'm thinking about early nineties Jim Lee Curtis movies? Yeah, I get that. Um, so yeah, so a bit of a disappointment this one, though, wasn't it? I think it's disappointing because you could see the potential, and you could see the I talent. It's, it, that's it. It's it's seeing who's involved, and you see that opening couple of scenes, and you go, "Okay, I feel like I'm in for something here," and then it just devolves into stupidity <laughs> it goes off the rails it, it, does. It's, it somehow goes off the rails but in a really sort of generic way like like it's, it's quite mundane isn't it? it it doesn't get like super crazy in like a sort of i don't know like a wacky way but it, it feels yeah, it's not a nicholas cage movie but it feels crazy in the sense that it feels so jaded to what the rest of the film was yeah and it does it a couple of times, although the first time was, I was fine with, because again, it was the inciting incident. It was kind of like, okay, this, this is what the movie's become. That's fine. That's what we're doing. And I was shocked that she learned what was going on so early. I thought we were going to spend like the whole second act with him, you know, secretively doing things around her and her not knowing. But no. Yeah, I don't, and so I, I don't really get the, the motivation for the villain. I think oh, you're, you're kind of adding stuff to, to what you felt, but I, I couldn't possibly buy that one incident caused this guy to just snap and become a, a serial killer like this. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess you would just assume that it's not one incident. He's, he's, he's been feeling a bit on edge <laughs> for some time, maybe. I don't know. Maybe the movie could have done a better job of giving me some of that. Yeah, probably. Probably, but hey-ho. Uh, that is um, that is Blue Steel. So uh, hopefully, hopefully next movie we do. I have no idea what is next, but hopefully whatever's next. Uh, actually, I think I do know what's next, um, because oh wait, no, it's not a Patreon pick next because we've, we've got another one to tick off, I believe. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what's coming next. Uh, but that that has been Blue Steel. So uh, you know, we're supposed to read it uh, before we 
get to the outro and the plugs and everything else? Four. <laughs> I'm torn between like a three point five and a four. I'll I'll be generous and give it the four. I'll I'll assume that at least some of of my negativity is is due to being ill and I'm just in a bad mood. <laughs> I will give it. I'm gonna give it a five, and it's mainly the technical qualities and the actors that are kind of. Are, are dragging it up to that 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 point because it does have a good look and sound to it. It really does, mm. and that is a lot of a film. So I was I was never looking at it going ah oh, this is this is unpleasant to watch on a any kind of technical level on, on a visual level. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, five out of ten for me. So that's Blue Steel. Uh, you can let us know if, what you think of the movie if you've seen it in the comments. You can like, subscribe, all that stuff. You can get us on the Twitters at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. If you want to support the show and the channel and everything we do here, you can head over to patreon.com slash TV. We can support us for as little as a dollar per month and you can get bonuses. You get 121 extras, uh, which swaps with almost cancelled extra. You get a bonus episode of Screams After Midnight or Horror Movie Podcast. You get a bonus episode of our new sci-fi movie podcast, uh, The Ace, The Atomic Cinema Experiment. Um, so that's all the $1 tier and then there's of course there's voting and things like that that you get at the higher tiers uh, but you go have, a, go have a look and see what's there um, but yeah that is that is us so uh, thank you once again for watching and listening we always appreciate it keep watching movies guys and if you can get it it's always nice to have diplomatic immunity